Turn to John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, I want to introduce Jesus Christ to you, really from my own experience growing up, because I think most everybody here has interfaced with the person of Jesus Christ. I want to say to begin with, I always liked Jesus when I was growing up. Now, I was raised in, in a mainline church that was very long on sweet relationships and kindness and very short on teaching from the Bible. And so I didn't really know the true identity of Jesus until I went to college and somebody actually told me. But I, you might say I grew up around Jesus. And I definitely had impressions of him. And there were certain, certain things that I thought I knew about Jesus. For instance, I knew that Jesus was the Christian Messiah or Savior, whatever that meant. I didn't know what that meant. I knew that Jesus was Jewish and that Jewish people don't believe in him. So I always found that kind of curious. Um, I, I'd watched, back in the 70, 60s and 70s when I grew up, uh, there was just this rash of Jesus movies that came out on network television. They were awful. Now, now when I look back on them, they were awful. So, but, you know, I watched them all. And so I knew Jesus was about six foot one, right? <laughs> and that he had uh, shoulder-length hair, parted down the middle, and was handsome as a movie star. And he was white. Well, now I know Jesus was Middle Eastern, not Caucasian, and that Jesus had no beauty or majesty that would draw us, Isaiah 53 says. But that's what I thought I knew about Jesus. I knew that Jesus was gentle and meek and mild. And, and again, from the movies, I had this sense that Jesus always kind of had this glazed over, kind of far away look in his eye. But when people looked into the eyes of Jesus... They were just filled with such rapture and wonder. They almost wanted to cry or, or something. It was just this amazing effect that he had on people. Or, you know, like the Pharisees of the Romans, they would, they would turn away from Jesus. They couldn't, they couldn't stand to look into the laser beam eyes of Jesus Christ. I thought that was kind of cool. Jesus seemed to answer the meanness of the world with niceness. I always thought that was kind of nice that Jesus was nice. I liked a lot of the teachings of Jesus, even, even though I was raised in a church that didn't tell me the true identity of him. I, again, I learned a lot of his words. I especially liked do unto others what you would have them do to you. Do you all know what that's called? The what? The golden rule. And I thought, you know, that makes sense. So I liked Jesus. Felt a little uncomfortable with him sometimes, but I liked him and, and, um, and really kind of had a, an admiration for Jesus, like a lot of people do in our culture. And, and, you know, I guess it was because of my admiration for him that I always felt a little uncomfortable, even before I knew Christ personally, felt a little uncomfortable when people would use the words Jesus Christ as a swear word. I always felt like there was something wrong with that. Now, I knew Jesus was poor, and it didn't seem to matter to him that he was, that he was poor. Uh, I knew that he really liked kids and that kids really liked him. I knew that Jesus hung out with people that a lot of people didn't hang out with at the time, like prostitutes and tax collectors and, and Roman this, that, and the other. And, and I always thought that was kind of cool, you know, that Jesus would hang out with these people. 
So I always thought well of Jesus. But in my life, I didn't know anybody that taught personally about Jesus. And I realize that is not the experience of people that have grown up in, in a more Bible-believing church, simply not the experience of people who've grown up in, in this church. I guess if you wanted to, if you wanted to get my, my theology of Jesus growing up down to, to one confession of faith, it would be the Doobies Brothers song, Jesus is just all right with me. I mean, that's kind of what I believed about. Jesus is just all right with me. Oh, yeah, you know. And um, I just didn't take Jesus that seriously, to be honest with you. And I have to be honest that though I kind of admired him, somewhere in my thought process about Jesus Christ, I thought, you know, he's kind of this cultural holdover from a, from a different era that's more religious than the 60s and the early 70s. It's kind of worn, well worn out, like, kind of like a cliché. Jesus this, Jesus that. So I never really took him that seriously until someone sat me down in college and they told me the simple gospel or good news of Jesus Christ, revealing who Jesus actually was, what the Bible says about who I am, why Jesus came. I was stunned at the simplicity and the beauty and the love in the actual story of Jesus Christ. And, and now, I love Jesus. And I intimately know him. And I want you to know, I mean, the goal of my life is to know him better and to serve him. Not that I always hit eight cylinders in that. But I am intrigued with this person called Jesus Christ. Are you? Not everybody feels the way I do about Jesus. Truth be told, particularly in our southern culture, which has many good things but many troubling things, Jesus is kind of a cliche here as well. It's what my, we're so Christianized here in the South. It's what my friend used to call the southern gospel glaze, like a glazed donut. You know, we, we just get a little Jesus sprinkled over all our culture, but, it, but it's just more like a cliche. But I will say this, that there is a growing number of people in the United States in our larger culture who absolutely hate Jesus Christ and who are vocal. In what's called the new atheism, you can come talk to me about it after church, we can go into more details. Atheism has just turned on a, a hate switch and uh, anybody that believes in Jesus is stupid, that kind of thing. But I think by far, other than people who believe in Jesus, the most if the, the, the biggest answer about who is Jesus, if we went down to Renaissance Center and just did a little video expose, James, maybe we'll do that. Who's Jesus? I think what you're going to find is that he's kind of the son of God, but they don't know what it means. But he's really a good teacher, and we really ought to pay attention to him and to heed his teachings. And his death really shows us that he's a sacrificial lover, and maybe we can be sacrificial and we can be nice. Jesus was nice. That's the Jesus I grew up with. That's the Jesus I run into on the streets of Ridgeland and Madison and Jackson, Mississippi, frankly, more than any other thought process about Jesus. Now, I want us to go back into the world of Jesus when he walked on the earth. I want us to see from the scriptures what those people, those Israelites, saw when Jesus broke onto the scene. 
there was a lot of confusion about Jesus Christ. There was a lot of consternation about Jesus Christ. You do know where Jesus was raised, don't you? Jesus was raised in the hill country of Galilee. I mean, it's kind of like, and, and not the educated part of Israel. Not where you'd think a really sharp leader would come from. I mean, if you're from Kentucky, no offense, but be kind of like coming from Kentucky. You know, and saying you're the Messiah. Now, my Kentucky people in the first service said, that's okay. You might want to add West Virginia. Um, but that's, you know, there's Jesus from, from Galilee. What, what, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, that's the question. The, he cannot be the Messiah because the Messiah is not from Galilee. The Messiah is born in Bethlehem, they said. Not knowing that Jesus was born in Bethlehem fulfilling those prophecies and was raised in, in Nazareth. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you, he was the son of a carpenter. He was poor. He had no social power. He had no financial power. He wasn't bringing, carrying anything that would say, I am the leader. I am the promised Messiah. But there he was. And he grabbed the headlines quickly. At age 30, he stirred things up like nobody before, like nobody since. Multiplied thousands of people were just thunderstruck, awestruck with this person, this rabbi from Galilee because of the incredible miracles that he would do and the authority from God with which he would teach. And they even noticed the difference in the authority in his teaching as opposed to the scribes and the Pharisees. I mean, he stirred it up. Jesus Christ was a polarizing person. You know, today the name Jesus Christ is more widely known than any name on the planet, and he is still the source of more joy and more controversy than any other man in history. Jesus Christ. Why is he so controversial? Why is that? It's very simple. Jesus is controversial because of what he said about himself. His claims about himself is what what set all of Israel on fire. I mean, it was a conflagration in Israel. And people just didn't know what to do with Jesus. And I think they still don't know what to do. I mean, he, he would make astonishing claims about himself. And just when they'd say, you know what, that's blasphemy, we're going to have to kill him. Before they could kill him, he would perform even just as astonishing miracles. And people would say from, from the lowest to the greatest, wait, whoa, whoa, time out. Nobody can do these things if God weren't with them. Nobody can do these things but God. So they're afraid to kill him. They want to kill him. I mean, there's a lot going on around Jesus Christ. They weren't sure what to do with him. Guess what? People are, are still not sure what to do with this person, Jesus Christ. I'd like to read for a moment a short sampling of some current theories about Jesus. The first three come from what's called the Jesus Seminar, which is a liberal think tank trying to basically strip away anything miraculous or spiritual about Jesus, to get him down to what's called the historical Jesus. That's like the ordinary guy that wasn't anything, basically. For instance, Marcus J. Borg, professor of religion and culture at Oregon State University, 
said this, Jesus was a subversive teacher, a social prophet. He did not believe he was the Messiah. That's what our professor from Oregon says Jesus is. John Dominic Croissant, professor emeritus of religious studies at DePaul University, said Jesus was simply a displaced, displaced Galilean peasant fed up with the situation under the Romans, no more, no less, end of story. And all this other stuff's been added and made up. Earl Doherty, in his book, The Jesus Puzzle, says Jesus is a myth. There wasn't any Jesus. And, of course, I, don't, I really don't get that one because there's a lot of extra-biblical sources of people who said there was a man named Jesus, and I've talked to people that knew him. Everybody knows that he was doing this. But there are people who said there wasn't a Jesus. Timothy Freak, probably a good name, and Peter Gandy, Jesus is a myth based on pagan gods and mystery religions. Jesus never existed. Christianity was all copied from other religions and is totally a fake. This is what's behind the, the movie Zeitgeist and all this other stuff that's kind of challenging Christianity. Now, three more that I just, just are fa- I'm fascinated with. The, 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 the next one is Jesus was a psychopath. Albert Schweitzer famously said Jesus was insane. And he gave all these reasons why Jesus was insane. This is kind of the, um, the psychology, psychoanalyzing Jesus and, and, and putting, you know, he basically fooled a lot of people. He's just a psychopath with borderline personality disorder. And it's literally what, what is said about him. And then I love this one. Jesus was a mystical guru or a guru, as we say in Mississippi. And that... Uh, he really was kind of a savior, Deepak Chopra. Have you ever heard of Deepak Chopra? He's like the, the guy that's on like the news. He, he always does kind of the new age on the panel discussion. You know, you have John MacArthur and Deepak Chopra on the same panel. He's a Hindu, new age writer, self-help guru. And uh, he wrote a book called The Third Jesus, The Christ We Cannot Ignore. He said this of Jesus. Jesus is a kind of savior in that Jesus embodied the highest level of enlightenment and cosmic consciousness. And that the words of Jesus can trigger you too can have cosmic consciousness. Um shakalaka. (laughs) Kenneth Richard Samples. This This is wild. Hindu New Age advocates suggest that during Jesus' so-called lost years, that is between 12 and 30, we don't know anything about Jesus' life from when he was a boy in the temple until he emerges for baptism uh, at age 30, suggest that during those years he traveled to Persia, the Near East, India, and Tibet and learned Eastern, Eastern mysticism. And that was the source of his ministry. Man, do people think a lot of different things about Jesus? And this is like popular literature. Here's the one I love the most. Jesus was actually an extraterrestrial. (laughs) No kidding. No kidding. He came off a UFO. You know? Oh, well, that's what we believe about Jesus. Well, who is he? Who is Jesus? Why is he relevant? You know the best place to start if you want to learn about Jesus? The Gospels. The Gospels that have more historical backing, more you know, sources that back up the, the validity of them than, than any ancient source that we have. 
whether you believe in Jesus or not, the best and most honest place to start is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And to actually hear what Jesus says about himself. You see, you, you, can't you can if you want to, but it's foolish. You can't just make up your own Jesus. We need to find out who he actually is. Now, I'd like for you to turn to our text, John 1, 1. Jesus claimed to be a few things uh, that are very important. First of all, Jesus claimed to be the prophesied Messiah. All through the Old Testament, all the prophecies, I am the fulfillment of that. That is John 4, 26, the woman at the well. When Messiah comes, she was a Samaritan. When Messiah comes, he will show us all things. Jesus looked at her and said, woman, the one who is speaking to you is he. Wow. But guys, that's not why Jesus is so controversial. There are lots of people who came to Israel and said, I'm the prophesied one. There are several who came before Jesus, and there are several people who came after the resurrection of Jesus who said, I am the prophesied one. Do y'all know, does anybody know the name of anybody? Any of those? Don't hold back. You see, that's the point. Those names aren't controversial. Claiming to be the Messiah of Israel isn't the controversial part. The most controversial thing and the reason Jesus set the whole thing on fire is that he claimed to be nothing less than God himself. And we'll look at some of those scriptures in a moment. Who is Jesus? Is he a good man? Or is he God? Second person in the flesh. John 1.1 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, hear this, was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him, Jesus, the Word was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines into the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man from John, who was sent by God, his name was John, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself, John, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, to Israel, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and lived among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me surpasses me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another, for the law was given through Moses. 
Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Wow. What does it mean, the Word? In the beginning was the Word. Have you ever stumbled on that? Capital W-O-R-D. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's very simple. If you understand the primary philosophy that was being talked about and and searched out in the world at the time in which Jesus was on the earth and, and afterwards, the Romans had conquered the civilized world. For instance, where Jesus was crucified was in the Roman province of Judea. And uh, all these little provinces were cobbled together. And it was a Roman world, but the common language was Greek. And the common philosophy that people throughout the Roman world, kind of the, the philosophical speak that they spoke was Greek philosophy. And one of the central features of Greek philosophy was something called the, the logos or the logos, the word. The logos was simply the blueprint or the higher reality that is behind the physical world, which was called the cosmos, or we say cosmos. So you got the cosmos, you know, the, 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 the observable word, and then behind it, ordering, some, something is behind and, and greater than the cosmos, that is the, the logos or the, the logos. The big question being asked in Jesus' day and after by people considering philosophy was not about the cosmos. That's, that's today's consideration. You know, that's people today that say, look, you know, it's all about science. It's all about the cosmos. It's, you, if you can't observe it and if you can't measure it, it doesn't matter. It's not at all the way they thought back then. No, the greater question wasn't, wasn't just about the physical world, but, but what was behind it? What made it to be? What ran it? What was the blueprint, you see? What, what was that something that holds the whole universe together? And John uses this concept of the Logos to answer the burning question of his day. Logos is God. God, the, the God of the Hebrews, is behind it. Logos is God, and Logos became flesh. This is really amazing stuff. You see, it says you can not only know the one who organizes it all, know know who it is. He's actually come into this world. He has actually made a way for you to personally know the Logos. Personally know the God who orders all, who holds all things together by his power and his wisdom, you see. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. And everything was made, John says, through the Logos. And the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is God. I want you to turn to John chapter 8, verses 56 and 58. I've got two, two little passages I want us to examine, because it is his claim to divinity that is still that point of division about Jesus. John 8, 56, Jesus is talking to people, Jewish people and leaders who do not believe in him. 
Your father Abraham, he said, rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it, Abraham, and he was glad. They answer. There's a lot of, lot of hostile interplay between Jesus and the, the Pharisees. You're not 50 years old, and yet you say you have seen Abraham? Verse 58. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was, I am. Boom! That's when it all went up. Because what Jesus did was take the most sacred name of God, Yahweh, I am, and apply it to him before I existed before Abraham because I am the great I am. And if you don't believe that, he's actually saying that, then all you got to do is read verse 59. And they immediately picked up stones to stone him. And do you know why? Because the penalty for blasphemy in Israel was death. And they did not understand that Jesus was God. And that was actually not a bad instinct for them to want to stone Jesus from their vantage point. Because he said, I am God. Turn to John 10, 30. Just two more verses. I and the Father are one, he says. The stones are going to come out on this one too, by the way. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you want to stone me? We are not stoning you for any of these, replied to the Jews, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Now look, I know people all over the place Right here in Mississippi and in other places say, Jesus never said that claim to be God. I do not know what New Testament they are reading. In fact, I wonder if they have read the New Testament. The problem with Jesus Christ for people is not that he said he was a Messiah, but that he was God with all the claims and demands that comes along with being God. His own claim was that he was Yahweh. So, what if Jesus is God? What do you do with that Jesus, you see? I've always loved the words of C.S. Lewis at this particular point in the book some of you have read called Mere Christianity. He addresses this, and and I, I just love his way with words. He says this, I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I do not accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing you must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make a choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or he is a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit on him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet 
and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. This was not his intent. We live in a hyper individualized, personalized world where people think that they, what I call home chemistry set religion. They can just take a little bit of this and that and weave it together and Jesus will be whatever I want him to be. That's just fine if that's what you want to believe about Jesus, but that's not that Jesus that is represented in the Bible. If you want to know who Jesus is and if you want to deal with matters of eternal life and eternal damnation or or life that is weak and struggling or life that is abundant and free, if those indeed are the things you want to talk about in terms of Jesus Christ, we must go to what he actually said and what he actually did because it's not open to do anything else. You're limited to two choices. Believe that he was a liar or a deranged idiot, or as Lewis says, fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. What will you do with that Jesus? Now, I remember in my life when somebody sat me down and asked me who I thought Jesus Christ was, and I kind of told them something like I told you. They said, that's not who Jesus Christ is at all. You hadn't even told me why Jesus Christ came. Let me tell you. And they sat me down. And I remember when I finally understood it and put my trust in what Jesus Christ, leaving heaven, coming down here, the Word became flesh, taking my sin upon Him, paying for my sin that separated me forever from God to bring me and God together. I remember when I put my trust in His work on the cross finished for me and in the empty tomb where where we get everlasting life as opposed to my religious works and my own thoughts I remember knowing in my heart I was forgiven I remember knowing in my heart that I knew God and that he loved me and he would never leave me and the rest of my life would be a thank you note to him and service to him I knew I was going to heaven as well. But I would like to say, I am thankful that Jesus is God. You know why? Because it takes nothing less than an infinite Jesus to pay for my sin against an infinite God. Joe Blow, five doors down the hallway, cannot pay for my sin against an infinite God. If Jesus is not God, then we are lost so glad Jesus is God. And he's so beautiful. You know, the, the more I know him, the more beautiful he is. Our text says that the, the Lagos was God and the Lagos became flesh and we beheld his glory. The one from the Father, listen to these words, how beautiful, full of grace, full of truth. Jesus brought down from heaven as God everything we need to have a relationship with God and to have the life that he wants us to have together as his church. And, you know, I don't know about you. I need grace. And I need truth. I couldn't live without the salvation of Jesus and I cannot live without the ongoing truth of God's word that Jesus gives me by the power of his Holy Spirit and the ongoing forgiveness and grace 
that is needed in this life. I'm so glad Jesus is God and can forgive sins. And then I need Jesus to be God living inside of me. Because, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'm a mess. That's the truth. And you're a mess. And I need nothing less than the real power of the reigning Son of God, God the Son, at work in my life. In other words, I need for Jesus to be God because I, need, I, I have a need for nothing less than the actual power of God to convict, to grow, to stretch, and to bless. Christ has defeated the powers. Christ has defeated the principalities through who he is and what he has done. And he invites us into relationship. The Logos behind it all is God. The Logos became flesh, you see. Let me close with these life-giving words from our text. You come back next week, we're going to talk about the miracles of Jesus and what they mean. But here are the words. Who is Jesus? The Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. From the fullness of His grace, we have received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, would you show us through your Word in the coming weeks the true identity of Jesus Jesus, thank you that you left heaven, God the Son, and came and lived on this earth and died for sinners and rose to give us eternal life. If you have never put your trust in Jesus and what he's done and you'd like to, just pray with me. Lord, I get it. I see it. And I want to turn from everything that I've called Christianity, everything that I've called religion, and I want to put my trust in only in what you have done, Jesus, for me on the cross. Thank you that even now you have forgiven me. And you're in my life. And you'll never leave me. Lord, I pray that you would just take me deeper into your heart, deeper into understanding of you, and deeper into joyful obedience and serving of you. Lord, there are many of us who have walked with you. We need to be refreshed in the reality of the wonder of who you are. Would you do that in our lives so that our lives might be reordered around grace and truth and that we would love you, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.